today by phone, Gary Green, MECTA consultant. And Gary has worked with MECTA members for a very long time now, helping us navigate through these huge national discount funding programs, uh, one of which is Healthcare Connect Fund. And that is the program we're going to talk about today with Gary. So Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. You bet. And, and let's begin by Talking about some of these of the recent changes in the Healthcare Connect Fund, uh, has there been a concern on the part of USAC, the agency running the program, as to the status of MICTA HCF eligible contracts? Um, thanks for the question, John. Uh, yes, there. I guess I'll answer that as there was, but I want to make sure that all of our members, uh, our healthcare members who may uh, in their filings have a question or have this question, uh, realize that it has been resolved by the FCC. And let me just say that the FCC is the legal body that creates the laws, the rules, relative to this program. And it is USAC's uh, responsibility to try and interpret those. So there can be some confusion uh, along the way. And this was one of them. And, and this has to do with the fact that uh, that MICTA was approved, and the FCC agreed with MICTA when they created the Healthcare Connect Fund, uh, that a couple of things were required of MICTA's healthcare members, and one of them was the fact that they were using an eligible uh, E-rate contract. So there's a crossover between this program and another program that USAC administers for K-12s and libraries, and that's called the E-rate program. So there was confusion relative to the folks from the Healthcare Connect Fund that worked for USAC as to exactly what was meant by that. And the reason for that is because in the rules that that uh, the FCC wrote, and I'm going to read from uh, one of those rules, an eligible healthcare provider is in a consortium with participants in the Schools and Libraries Universal Service Support Program, which is uh, a MICTA organization who has uh, multiple types of members, um, two of which are, or three of which are uh, healthcare providers and schools and libraries. And they party to the consortium's existing contracts. In this case, it, it said contract in the, in the order, but of course, MICTA has multiple contracts, so it would apply as contracts, is exempt from the Healthcare Connect Fund competitive bidding requirements if the contract was approved in the schools and libraries universal service support program as a master contract, and that's where the confusion for USAC uh, came, because what was meant by approved? Well, that was qualified by the FCC because of the fact that MICTA provides all of its documentation relative to its bidding process and its contract awards uh, directly to the FCC and now to USAC, so basically the FCC explained to USAC that they are approved because we hold all of those contracts. So that's the first uh, issue there, and that was rectified by the FCC. Okay, let's let's try to clarify some more. Did USAC question uh, whether HCP members could request funding over a hundred thousand using the E-rate bidding exemption? And exactly what is the E-rate bidding exemption? Let me answer the second question first. 
the E-rate bidding exemption is something that uh, MICTA requested the uh, FCC put in this new uh, program and right into the order, allowing our healthcare provider members to utilize uh, contracts that MICTA had already negotiated uh, at the federal level through the E-rate program. And so um, they agreed to that, and, and formally it's, it's referred to as the Schools and Libraries Program Master Contracts Exemption, but uh, commonly referred to in the program by, as the E-rate exemption. So that's what that is. Now, in the bidding requirements of the, of the law, regarding acquiring funding through this Healthcare Connect Fund program. The FCC uh, stated in law that an applicant must submit an RFP. Now, the applicant would not be, uh, in this case, MICTA, it would be one of our healthcare provider members. If it is required to issue an RFP under applicable state, tribal, or local government rules or regulations, and two, if the applicant is a consortium seeking more, and here we go, than $100,000 in program support during the funding year, and three, if the applicant is a consortium seeking support for participation as a participant in constructed and owned network facilities. Well, uh, once again, USAC believed that if one of our eight healthcare providers or healthcare members was requesting funding over 100000 for any of those kinds of um, uh, products and or services, then they would have to go out and bid. They could not use a MICTA contract. And FCC uh, basically then referred back to other language that was provided in the order. And um, it follows that they said... The healthcare provider must comply with all Healthcare Connect Fund rules and procedures, and this is regarding the E-rate exemption, except for those applicable to the competitive bidding rules, which means that, once again, our healthcare provider members are not required to go out for bid if they are requesting $100,000 or more in funding. And there actually is an example of, uh, in fact, multiple examples, but there's a, a major example of that. And uh, I think uh, we'll get to that down the road here in the questioning. Uh, I, I certainly will address that. Okay? Sure. That'd be great. So we can be clear on this. Uh, it really, any question on the part of USAC has been cleared up. So our MICTA members really don't need to worry about the eligibility of contracts and, and these other things that you've been talking about. Is that, is that fair? That is correct. That's fair. Uh, has the FCC changed the filing window for for uh, Form 462 funding requests? Yes, the form the, now the Form 462, as with the E-rate program uh, in, in the Healthcare Connect Fund program, there are forms that you file, and one of those forms is the form where you requ actually request the funding for products and their services. Uh, in the past, actually in the past 17 years since the program uh, was initiated in 1999, they never came close to reaching the $400 million cap that the program provides for annually. But in 2015, uh, it began to look like they might do that in 2016 funding years. So the FCC put out an order, public notice in, in that was DA 16-979 on August 26th of this year, in which they then established specific windows of filing. Previously, you could file any time during the funding, July 1st through June 30th of the following year, 
And as long as funds were available, you would uh, be assured that you would be awarded the full funding. Uh, now, with this concern, uh, the FCC established uh, windows of filing. Uh, now, they uh, started with September 1st of this year, which went through uh, November 30th, which just ended. At that point, they are not going to receive, uh, you cannot file for the next couple of months until they determine whether there are any funds remaining. Uh, if there are funds remaining, then they will open another filing window for, uh, and this is going to be a little confusing because of these years of funding overlap, but on February 1st of 2017, the 2016 funding window, they'll open again if there are funds available. But there's no guarantee you're going to be fully funded. It may be a proration. Uh, depending on how many uh, more applications they receive. And then going forward into funding year 2017, they established that that funding window would open on, on February 1st, 2017, and uh, close on March 30th of 2017, uh, anticipating that there would be a flood of, of, of filings once again for the funding year 2017. So after that, uh, subsequent window periods, uh, they actually turned that over to USAC's discretion. So yes, there you go. There are definitely uh, requirements now in terms of funding window filing. Uh, let me remind our listeners, we're talking with Gary Green today, MICTA consultant, and he's joining us by phone. And we're talking about changes in the Healthcare Connect Fund. Uh, Gary, what will happen now when the funding cap for the RHC program is reached? And remind us, if you will, what does RHC stand for? Yeah, RHC stands for the Rural Health Care Program, which is uh, uh, was a program that was established by the Congress uh, with the uh, update uh, of the uh, Telecommunications Act the Federal Telecommunications Act of 1963. So it took a while for this to all, uh, if you will, uh, the, the programs to be created and the documentation, so on and so forth. So it began funding in 19, did I say 63? I'm sorry, I, 1993. And uh, uh, it, it took a while, for a few years for this to be created, if you will, and the mechanism for uh, actually uh, providing the funding process. That is a program, of course, that's still going on. It started out with a, a funding cap of $400 million, and uh, once again, uh, along the way, because there was very little uh, in terms of activity, in terms of requests for funding, they, they structured it back for many, many years. Um, but uh, it has now gained uh, more uh, interest, um, in, particularly for rural funding going forward. What is, you alluded to this before about an example, can you tell us then what was the, uh, or is the most important initiative of this HCF program and an example that has been funded? Yes. Um, the real, if you will, thrust of this program, uh, as directed by the, the Congress uh, who uh, created the program, was broadband to expand broadband connectivity into all of those rural areas in the country for healthcare that currently don't have them. And uh, a good example of that uh, kind of structure is a, a, a new award that was given to one of our members. And because this is public information, I can certainly specifically address it. And that was the Brazos Valley uh, Council of Governments uh, who filed on behalf of their uh, healthcare 
uh, hospitals, um, clinics, and they even expanded this into schools with nurses stations and uh, first responders. And that award was, uh, uh, and this is a broadband build now, so this is actually a network build, which is really what the uh, Congress was looking for, reaching into rural, in this case, Texas, um, and the total amount uh, awarded was a little over $18 million, which is the largest award this program has ever provided. But that's really been the thrust and, and should be understood that that is the real thrust of this program, is, uh, is providing that high-speed connectivity to rural health care and uh, health care providers in rural America. One last question, Gary. Is there any indication that the FCC may... Uh, reprioritize eligible equipment and services funding when when, when the cap is reached? Uh, there is, and uh, the reason that they would do that or might consider that, there's already a precedent set for that. Uh, you heard me mention before a program that was also created by Congress at the same time uh, as the rural health care program, that being the E-rate program. And what they did, they being the FCC, because the program had reached its cap in, uh, in the subsequent years, uh, beginning actually back in 2012, most of the funding was for uh, being provided for telecommunications and therefore the real benefits uh, of internal connections and uh, rural broadband connectivity uh, wasn't being addressed because of certain aspects of the way the program had initially been written. Uh, the FCC changed the program and in 2014 began to defund telecommunications services uh, and products. Likewise, with the uh, rural health care program, um, uh, once again, the real um, drive here, uh, the real intent was to provide broadband connectivity into rural America. Uh, the fund currently and these are public numbers once again as well. Uh, as of the latest numbers that we have posted on the uh, rural health care site, in, in 2015, the fund provided uh, total funding of uh, $250 million plus. And of that, only 14, a little over 14 or almost $15 million was for the Healthcare Connect Fund, which is the program that provides this broadband connectivity. So um, my way of thinking, uh, given what they've already done in the E-rate program, it would make sense uh, that uh, they're going to, um, once this reaches the cap of $400 million annually, uh, they're going to restructure the program uh, and uh, start to defund the telecom side of things for voice services uh, so that there would be more money available um, for the broadband connectivity piece. And realistically, over the years, um, actually until the Healthcare Connect Fund program was created, there really wasn't a process for this broadband connectivity. Uh, it's only been since the Healthcare Connect Fund program has been instituted, and uh, that was uh, actually began in 2013. So it's a relatively young program, but now uh, it is gaining interest as uh, these major uh, consortiums come together to provide uh, connectivity to their constituents in, in rural America. So that's uh, the reason why I believe there's going to be a change uh, that will take place in this program relative to what they fund. 
Well, Gary, thank you for being with us today and sharing with us all this information. I mean, it, it's all very important, and it, it can be confusing. There was a lot of things that you talked about today. If someone has a question about the information that you shared with us today or just wants to talk to you about about the program or issues surrounding it, how can they get in touch with you? Well, they can, uh, first, all, first of all, they can email me at Gary, G-A-R-Y dot green, G-R-E-E-N, at mictatech, M-I-C-T-A-T-E-C-H dot O-R-G. Or they can actually call me at uh, 231-881-6612. And that information, um, of course, is available on the MICTA website at www.mictatech.org. Thanks again, Gary. And thanks to all our listeners for tuning in today, and we hope you find this information helpful as you continue to keep updating yourself on current technology trends and issues. Now be sure to come back again for more MICTA Radio. Bye for now. This program has been presented by MICTA. MICTA, technology solutions for members nationwide.